Okay. We're going. We'll get this started. Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I am Chris Hatfield. Gabe, what an absolute time to be alive. What a time to be alive, Chris. We've got uh, we've got the L's down ripping the Commonwealth of Kentucky apart. Truly. We've got a top five basketball game happening in less than 22 hours. Uh, it is It is a time to be alive in the city of Louisville, Chris. And how, you know, it, it, it's, it's so much is happening. I think we have to start with, uh, unfortunately, the loss that happened on Saturday. The Louisville Cardinals went down big to the Kentucky Wildcats. But even kind of specifically to that, let's just get to the source of what everyone is talking about. And that's the <laughs> yeah, L's even, down. I don't even think we're going to talk about like the, the We're not going to talk about the, the X's and O's of this game because this is a culture podcast. <laughs> Louisville got absolutely dominated. End, end of talk. but end, end of talk. But Chris, when you saw Scott Satterfield walk across that field, the Kroger field, what was your reaction when you saw him flashing the L's down in a currently not totally understood way, but clearly in a, Hey, I'm annoyed by this way. I mean, like, <laughs> let's like, let's be clear. I've heard some rumors that uh, one of the state troopers was flashing the L's down. That may be true. Yeah. But either way, Scott Satterfield was displeased with the L's down. Right. As a Louisville fan, as we both are, um, if you're listening to the show, or you know, I know there's a lot of followers that you have, Chris, uh, Kentucky fans. We can talk about that later. Um, <laughs> as a Louisville fan, how did you feel about Scott Satterfield? I think I caught Flashes. it later than a lot of people because I went into straight like a war, f- war meltdown mode onto Twitter. I was battling <laughs> people so much just because I was like. I was like semi intoxicated and I was also just like sad like everyone else. But I was also entertained by just everything that was happening on Twitter.com. It was absolutely glorious. It was it was a wild, a wild, wild west over this weekend. It truly was weekend. So I saw it later than most people. But once I saw it, my immediate thought was you could have done all this without a hand signal. Like, you could have voiced all your concern, and no one had to know what you were saying, and you could have just done all the same stuff. Like, I don't agree with <laughs> agree with him even approaching the guy, but but if you're going to, why make the hand signal? Why even make it a thing? Um, it did, like, for me, add a, bit, a little bit validity to the whole angle of... Satterfield just wants to come in here and be nice to guys. He just wants to, you know, talk about culture, culture, and culture, and everyone's supposed to just be happy and get along. Like, it did make me think about that. I think that's been kind of a lame narrative that's came out of this once you, like, deeper dive into it. But I can get why someone would get to that place. I I don't know. It, all in all, it's just a bad look. I think it's a bad look. And I think, you know, I think we're going to talk about it a little bit more you know, after the intro, but it, it's sort of underlined to me that I don't think Satterfield really understood the vitriol that comes with the rivalry. And, uh, almost in a weird way, it kind of underlines to me that 
the hatred that's shared between these two fan bases is as legitimate as any fan base in the country. <laughs> but um, has that has that football hatred ever been as high as it is? No, it's not. And we talked about that last episode. And I, I'm I you know I think that this is the this has been the top you know the closest we've been to basketball vitriol. Like because, this is the no, I just I just I think we're seeing this rivalry like transform in front of our eyes. I don't I I, I don't see any signs into of, what into from what into what uh, into just, a game where people come into it. Basically, you know, maybe Kentucky has a chance to win every three years, or maybe if you want to do the reverse, maybe Lowell has a chance to win every three years. But I think you're going to, we're coming into a place where consistently both fan bases are going to think they have a shot to win. You can say what you want about what Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky, but he's breeded some type of consistency. Now, I believe that's mediocre consistency, but mediocre consistency is going to give you a chance against your rival every year. In some capacity, it's going to give you a reason to believe that you can beat them. And we just haven't had that. And it's changing. And because that's happening, the hatred is going through the roof because people are more chesty. So there's more people going back and forth. And it's just breeding that. I'm not going to say, listen, I'm perfectly fine with the L's down. I find it. I find and like not in a and not in the way that Scott Satterfield was mad about it, but I find it like annoying just like it's like okay that's all you have like that's just what it's it's like why don't you you know you joked with me on twitter it's like k's up like why don't they get why don't they do something you know k can if you ask a kentucky fan to do k's up would they <laughs> how long would they spend trying to do it yeah um so i just find it like kind of annoying and childish in that way but like sure like louisville fans do stupid things too and i'm not you know that's that's how sports is it makes us do dumb things and so I don't really have an issue with it on that front. I just think, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that the the rivalry has become this thing. And I heard a few people talk about this. It's like, it's almost in this point, it seems like, like Kentucky fans are enjoying the negativity of like how, like making other people, how other people feel poorly after a loss, as opposed to their own positivity. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I saw one only, I only saw like a few people kind of say, Oh, this is about you know this is about playing for the team on the front of the jersey. It was more about oh, this is the the downfall of our rivals, which is fine. That's yeah. one way to. I mean, it's a zero sum game. That's one way to approach it. That's completely fine. But it just kind of underlines all that vitriol that we see, and it's hilarious and it makes stupid things feel even dumber, but like in a funny way to me. Yeah, and I mean, I want to circle back to that other part on the other side. But you know the funniest thing about the L's down? What's the funniest thing about the L's down? If you're not completely dialed in, or if you're not on Twitter, you don't even realize it's going on that much. <laughs> that's true. Like, like that, that, that's a hand signal that happens when they score. And I was watching the game with several people that were, you know, casual Louisville fans. Didn't make a single comment about it. Didn't even notice it was going on. Yeah. Because it, it, it just looks like a basic celebration. It definitely, yeah, it definitely is a. It's a niche a, thing. It's a niche thing. It's a it's a social media literate thing for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I We can talk more about it on the other side. But I think our general consensus is Satterfield's problem with it was. Ugly. It was kind of, it, it was a bad look. It was a bad look, bro. 
All right, let's get the intro and we'll, we'll talk more about this game and, of course, the even bigger game that's taking place on Tuesday night. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. And we're back, Chris. Let's talk a little more in depth about this terrible, terrible loss. I refuse to even pull up the box score. I'm not going to quote any yardage stats to you, my friend. Um, but I think we wanted to kind of talk about this from and it's sort of a continuation of what we talked about in terms of energy and who is bringing energy to this game. And I thought you had an interesting point uh, before we started talking about you know which team was bringing the energy in, and and I, I want I want to hear your take on that. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I, it, it has seemed like so. I'm trying to think back, like. I think it was Boom Williams that came into Papa John's Cardinal Stadium and just like acted a complete fool and Louisville kind of just blew them off the field. Yeah. That was like the first time I really noticed that there was some type of initiation from Kentucky to like really hype this thing up early and, you know, instigate stuff and things like that and i i guess for a bit like a lack of a better term like like psych someone up and and you know get in someone's head um and charlie strong would often call that like fake juice you you're you're pulling out that 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 fake juice it's it's mm-hmm. not real but you're doing something to kind of you know motivate yourself right and it just seems like in some weird non-tangible way that i can't fully even grasp or honestly even put into words that Kentucky has manufactured that into something real that has given them more of an edge when they come into this game. Yeah. I I think it was a it was very noticeable this game for me in particular. Um and I I, I don't know that I can like just pinpoint anything. I'm doing a kind of a poor job to talk about it because it's just not one of those things that you can look at and you know have hard data. It just seemed like Kentucky was more amped up for this one and they were more amped up a year ago. I mean, uh, let's be honest. Uh, every team that played Louisville was more amped up than them a year ago. I think, I mean, I it, I don't think it's crazy to say, Chris, that Kentucky has been more amped up for this game outside of what? Outside of... 2017, maybe? The, the second when, Lamar when there was Jackson. A tr- when there was a trash can involved. The second Lamar <laughs> Jackson game where he was going to get his revenge. And then maybe the first time they played, right? Yeah. Because yeah. the second time was when it was the Bobby versus Neil Brown fight, or who was it that kind of grabbed each other? Was that year two? I, that... Think, I think that was Neil Brown. That was year two. That was the Lamar fumble. No, I think that was the one. That was the one before that it was like okay. way too close. Gotcha. And then the next year was the Lamar fumble. And then the year after that was Lamar coming back and killing it. And then last year was last year. So anyway, I think we, we, we can you know conservatively feel like there were two seasons where Louisville brought either matched or more intensity into the rivalry game. And I, I, that bothers me. That bothers me. And I think if you're a Louisville fan, it's okay for that to bother you too. I think that, that instead of focusing so much on L's down, why don't you focus on that? Yeah. There's there's more of a, a a deviation from the mean in this game on the Kentucky side than there is 
on the Louisville side. And I mean that in a positive way for Kentucky. They play right. better in this game. And yeah, I think yeah. that's that's part of the reason. People, even me in the past, have been uh, often said, you know, things like that get overblown because I, I refuse to believe that a player wants to win more um, in, a, in a certain, you know, situation. I, I, I think they're more competitive. Yeah, they're competitive people. They're going to be competitive all the time. But it has seemed to uh, affect this rivalry. Here's the thesis I have, and it's it's probably about it. I'm just pitching this on you. I think energy, Kentucky's energy to the football game is to their talent level in the basketball game. Yeah. You're always aware in the basketball game of Kentucky's talent level. They may not be the better coach team, but I always feel like you know at some point in that basketball game, they they remind Louisville – that they are the more talented team nine nine times out of ten. I think the only time that wasn't true was the twenty thirteen year. Mm-hmm. And even still, they showed they were talented. They kept that game much that, closer that game than it should have been. Closer, right? Yeah. I was about to say that game was much closer than it should have been. So you always see Kentucky's talent in that game. And I think that energy is becoming that constant for this football team. And it's an energy that, you know. Sure. I, if you want to think of football as a wholesome, you know, if you want to think of football in the kind of the peewee football manner of sense, the kind of good old boy, you know, high school Friday night lights sense, maybe that bothers you the way that the energy, you know, because mm-hmm. I do think that energy sometimes comes from negativity. It comes from starting fights. It comes from from cheap from from cheap trash can things. It it, it comes from that type of stuff. And I think if you want to look at your football team with a completely positive outlook, that might bother you, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't think, but it sure as hell working. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the skeptic would say that if you need to do those things to, to juice yourself up in a rivalry game, then you're probably not doing a good job as a coach. You shouldn't need your, need those things to motivate someone yeah. to, to play well and, 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 and play with an edge. But Hey, but for, maybe that explains why they, that Kentucky under soups has been apt not to show up against lesser teams. Yeah. That they, they, I don't remember who it was this season they struggled against, but I mean, that maybe explains that Western game. That, I mean, that, he, he in his, his career and his tenure and, and whatever his legacy is at Kentucky when he leaves is absolutely fascinating. It's going to continue to be that way. I've talked about this multiple times, but, but maybe it does. Maybe there is something he lacks in that department about getting his team motivated for certain situations. And this is one way he ensures that he's able to do it against, you know, his biggest rivalry in a game that his fans value the most. I mean, he told Scott Satterfield after the L's down thing reportedly said that I'm, I'm not worried about who did that, which to me perfectly illustrates that. Yeah. Um. It, I mean, we could that flows right into you know how much played into to Satterfield not his familiarity with this rivalry. Did that did that matter much in this game? I I think it did. I think it did. The more I think about it, the more I think it did. I, I think I think he'd kind of heard the rumors, heard the rumbles, probably watched last year's game, probably saw pictures of recruits doing L's down that type of stuff. It's like, oh, you know, that's cute. That is what it is. I don't think he understood the vitriol. I don't think he was ready for the intensity. I don't think they have that in North Carolina. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they have it the way we do. And I don't. Th- I mean, sure. I think the only, the closest thing he gets to that is when he when he comes down and he plays North Carolina. He comes out and he plays NC State. And I think that 
that but, comes from that kind of intensity he's bringing from his perspective, right? Not that's, from the opponent's that, perspective. That, that, that's not even reciprocated on it's the other side. It's not a reciprocated. I mean, uh, their their biggest rivalry at App State was Georgia Southern, um, a, a team that they played every year. Um, and that was I, a, I do, I've never watched that rivalry game before in my <laughs> life, but I, I'm going to tell you right now. I bet you there's there's nobody fighting over fighting over bridges or dialysis centers or right. or a, a hand sign. Um, in in the Georgia Southern App State rivalry, and there's and there's certainly not fan bases that encourage that and that are proud of those things that exactly. happen. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, getting getting thrown into it um, at this particular moment where we talked about maybe it is the hottest that it's ever been is you know interesting. And I I don't think that you can that that's the thing. Like we can say that maybe Satterfield wasn't ready to affect it this game, but I'm not sure he could have done anything different that could have prepared himself more. I mean. Where is is there anything in this in this game that you can have criticism for for Satterfield for? I thought the one thing like I I, I really don't want to to dive into X and O's deep at all. We can talk about this for maybe a minute minute and a half um, because I I know Louisville fans are ready to move on to Michigan. I'm yeah. ready to move on to Michigan. We, we we went through a Monday already where people reviewed this game on the airwaves, but. I, I I thought the just the play calling in general was a little conservative, and and yeah. I thought it was closer to the vest. Now maybe that was weather related, won't know. But th- that's the one criticism I have of Satterfield. I do game. I do wonder how much of especially I mean I don't know things sort of got away from them um, pretty quickly in that second half. But I wonder how much the fake punt the fake punt failing hurt that. That's one thing I've mm-hmm. I've thought about because um, that felt desperate at the time. And then I just wonder if that was like, well, I really blew that one. I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna kind of keep my my hand close to my to my chest again. Yeah. I, I think about that, but I, I agree with you. I think going downfield is something that worked. It was the few times they did that, it appeared to work. Yeah, they threw a pick with Tutu Adwell. Another thing I think that could have added to sort of the play calling some some kind of scaredness. That 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 tip ball that Tutu Adwell was unable to pull down and ended up being a pick. I think that you know that was a bummer. That was that was really a, a position turning play. But then they had the long runs. They had you know long deep plays that were working. Um, I mean, they're getting open at some points. I don't know. So just some like serious serendipity because the Seahawks just ran a fake punt in Monday Night Football. As you were like <laughs> saying that like a few plays ago. Yeah, but yeah, were, that yeah. whole that whole sequence was really weird. That play was like perfectly executed. It was from Satterfield, but it was like. Eh, eh, they tipped their hand so like easily. Like it, it was such a weird formation. Kentucky knew something was up. So I mean, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about no, game wise? I, I I'm ready to move on. Um, you know, one quick question and just like one minute on this. On a scale of one to ten, ten being completely changes, one being doesn't change at all. How much does this? result change your general opinion of the 2019 Louisville football campaign I was trying to get a a gauge on that from the fan perspective earlier today when I asked people like what their win expectation is for for next year so many people said like six seven I guarantee if you would have asked those people like a day ago they would have said eight nine exactly exactly (laughs) so that that kind of is your answer right there I I think it's a solid six seven I I mean I I I don't know what to say anymore like it, it 
you know, six wins, seven wins, seven wins, but they finished with obviously going to a bowl game. Absolutely tremendous job. But to absolutely get blown out at the end and to get beaten all facets of the game and to maybe even ensure that the team that plays you in the bowl game has the blueprint and uh, given that they can effectively run it, it, it's a big sour note and it matters. And I, I, I think it matters so much that it's taking a game away from your win expectation for next year. So I think that's pretty significant. Yeah, I think I not to not to cheat on this, but I do feel like I, I'm sort of in that same boat where I would have I I I hindsight is twenty twenty. So I'm looking back and it's like, well, you know, I, I've very much talked myself into, oh, we kind of came into this with house money. I had Lola two wins at the beginning of the season. I two. I think I had four. Yeah, and you know, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend like this doesn't bother me, but I have find my found myself. You know, I think the basketball team is helping. I have been able to find <laughs> myself moving on from this and, and and convincing myself that it's not that big of a deal more than other losses. Yeah, and I do think the problems that Louisville has defensively uh, up front on both sides, those aren't problems that are going away next season. Those aren't problems that bringing in Satterfield's guys are going to change because those guys are going to be freshmen and you're going to lose guys like uh, Caban and Etheridge uh, that are good players. What What I don't want to happen is that I think this happened with Bobby until like the, 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 the the wheels completely like fell off is that people found ways to justify like just average play. Like it was absolutely absurd that, you know, Lamar Jackson, his biggest like feat for, for like two seasons was the music city bow and, and going against Texas A&M. And anytime you bring that up, it was almost like asinine to, to, to critique Bobby Petrino for like a really long time. Like it, it was a good portion of the fan base. So I'm I'm not compa- I'm obviously not comparing Satterfield to Petrino. I, I just don't want to get to the space to where there's excuses for everything. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I think there's you know things are not going to be fixed next season, but there should be more criticism or m- maybe not criticism, but more pressure on on Brian Brown's defense to be better than it was last season. Um, there's there's more questions about you know is Satterfield going to just be so damn hard at it that he's going to keep running and running and running the ball, even when it's not working things like that. Yeah. So I think, I think defensively, I mean, the thing for me is I came into the season feeling like defensively in the front seven, that's where the cupboard was most bare and that's where the biggest problems were going to be all season. So for me, the tackling issues, the being able to get run on excessively problems, Mm -hmm are not that big of surprises. So I think defensively, I don't like I tweeted out the, the Charlie strong. I've literally seen like five people. God, it's so annoying. And five different mediums been, Hey, we need a DC. Let's hire Charlie strong. I'm not, not, not even from a Charlie strong standpoint. Does that just make me feel like the, like people just don't get it, but just not understanding that, 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 they didn't have anybody and the guys that they had, they lost. Jonathan Grenard was going to be the focal point of this defense. 
I mean, he completely changes this defense if it's on if he's on this team. They have a pass rush if he's on this team. There's like a there's certainly like a portion of the Louisville fan base that tries to take the same approach with with football as they do with with basketball. It's like you know, fix this, and it, it, it's not just like a one recruiting class thing. Like it, yeah. Louisville didn't have like they were completely missing on position groups. Like they weren't recruiting linebackers. <laughs> that that's why you have corners playing linebackers and, and yep. getting ran over by Chris Dominguez. Like I, th- that's where I'm at. That's why like I'm in you know I'm in this weird place. Like I I literally I'm saying this after saying I want people to continue being critical, like a healthy criticism. It's just like we started from ground zero. People came yeah. this season just saying I hope they're lined up correctly and they look like they want to be out there. And now we're like disappointed because, I, you know, we're going to talk in circles. Yeah, we're going to talk in circles. And we we literally had this on the show. No, it's a shorter segment. And I think we went like 20 minutes, 15 <laughs> yeah. minutes. Um, so let's move on to the reason why I think we're excited about Louisville Athletics right now. And that is the fact that Louisville basketball is once again the number one team in the country in the AP poll. They face off against the Michigan Wolverines who are number four in the country, the biggest ever jump in pole position from unranked to fourth in the 70 year history. Yeah. And in the entire 70 year history of the AP top 25 poll, I saw, which is nuts. I honestly was kind of shocked that, that that was a thing. Um, So we've talked a little bit about Michigan last episode, um, but I just it was it was so funny to me how quickly fans moved on to the game. I had so many conversations today, and it was like, man, that game on Saturday sucked. But yo, this game tomorrow <laughs> night is huge. Yeah, and I think even like some people, you know, as far as like like talk show radio, even kind of missed that bell because there were a lot of people like eager that that's like the thing you get when you know the games on Saturday, and then you have Sunday in between to kind of vent. There were so people like eager to talk about uh, Kentucky football and Louisville football and what happened, and, and you know they were just ready to move on. I, 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 yeah, like Kentucky fans definitely talked more about that game. I mean, which not saying it wouldn't have been without a basketball team thing, but I, the Kentucky fans, I, 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 I think they were looking around for people to talk to about while Louisville fans were really just, uh, hey man, we're playing a top five matchup tomorrow. Like yeah. I'm not even, yeah, that sucks, but we didn't expect to be that good. So <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Moving on. Um, what was, you know, what's your, what's your thought, Chris? What's your, what are your initial thoughts about this game? What are the things you're looking forward to most? Um, just the general vibe on the, on the game. Yeah. So, um, I guess we can, well, this is like our last bullet point, but I'll just start with it. I posted like a play from, um, I can never say his last name. So you have to help me out with his last name. Jordan, what is his Sparber, name? right? Sparber. Is that how you say it right? I'm guessing Sparber. Okay, I don't we'll know for sure. Hoopvision68 is his Twitter account. Um, not 69. Yeah, not 69. <laughs> if you don't follow him, just follow him, watch his videos. It'll help. It's like pretty cool to watch basketball from a different perspective, and it just makes watching college basketball more enjoyable in that perspective. Yeah, if you're if you're a, a college hoops nerd, uh, 100% follow him. And also, as you as you sent to me, and we'll throw it in this in the show notes. They did a he did a special episode with kind of his compadre. Uh, specifically about 
this game coming up. Yeah, it's like it's like an hour and twenty minutes, and it breaks down the X and O's of this game. It's awesome. Which is, I mean, is entirely too much information, but is is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll I'll toss that link in for sure. So he did like a uh, a seven minute YouTube video on how Michigan beat Gonzaga, um, and one of the plays that caught my eye was just some of the duck downs they run with with Teske and and Xavier Simpson. Um, basically, you've kind of seen it happen to Louisville before um North Carolina did it to him pretty successfully basically it's just a high ball screen gets gets set um Mm -hmm. Simpson comes across the screen Mm -hmm. and at some point the big man is going to flash to the post um and usually get with the dunk sometimes he's gonna pop um that wasn't in the video but sometimes he'll pop up for three there's variations of it it kind of just goes different places but it caught my eye because we have talked about a lot on this podcast um Chris Mack's insistence of hedging and the loving of the hedging and the pack line defense and how it has put Stephen Enoch in a pretty vulnerable position a lot of times, Um, a a lot of last season. And honestly, I haven't seen much um, this season that makes me think it's really much different this year. I I don't know that he even really has the the physical tools to improve it. I, I just don't know that putting him, you know, 15 feet away from the basket and asking him to recover against a, a big man is something he is capable of doing. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and, and tomorrow will certainly be a test of that to, to his greatest test. of it. Yeah. So like people may look at this play and say, okay, it's one play. They're going to run it, you know, six, seven times. But I, I, I don't think people like understand they run it like six times. They convert on it three times that, that six points. Um, the, the, the spread's now five and a half. Yes, so it, it started it, at seven and immediately shifted. It, it can um, literally be one of those things that, that decides the game. And I'm just interested in the dynamic of the one that we've talked about before. Um, you know, you can put Malik Williams on the floor. I, I, I think he's a guy that lessens this issue because he's a great defender, because he has lateral quickness, because he has a length. Um, right. When you do that, you lose an offensive skill set um, in Stephen Enoch, a back-to-the-basket score, a great score. I, I said it today on Twitter. I think from an offensive standpoint, there may not be another guy in college basketball I would take as a true five. It's a true center. It's kind of magnified in this case because the things that Malik Williams likes to do on the offensive side, um, the pick-and-pop, the kind of like, you know, 12 mid-range, mid-range game, yeah. is something that like, Teske is like the perfect like player to defend. Similar like a Jay Huff or, or, you know, Diakite, guys like that. Um, They're they're not going to have any problem stepping out and defending that. And also, you know, Teske's seven foot. So that that, that kind (laughs) of magnifies things too. So that that was like a long-winded opening, but that was like the biggest thing that caught my eye. It does. uh, So it it seems like you're sort of positing that defensively just to just to put a pin in what you're saying defensively Malik offers it's just a conundrum because defensively Malik can probably cover Teske better but on offense Teske can cover what Malik does better I'm almost kind of tempted to just say you you take your lumps with Enoch just because you know offensively he can do more he can probably hopefully bully Teske around a little bit in the post and I think this is. I think the there's a 
to me, this smells like a track meet. This smells like a like a high scoring affair. These are two of the top ten shooting teams in the country. Um, one, I mean, I, I don't have it like right in front, but well, no, I mean, Louisville mean, has it, the it, number it, two it, offense in in Ken Palm, and Michigan. I, I know. Has, go ahead. No, uh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, there. you're fine. I, just Michigan is is second in effective field goal percentage, so they're shooting the ball just incredibly well. I know that Louisville hasn't had a game where they've had, um, I think it's 1.18 points possession, which is like extremely high this season. Right. Like every game they've had, they've scored over a point possession. And like Michigan's the same way. Um, so these are obviously, like you said, to kind of underscore what you said, very good offensive teams. No question. Um, just a few other notes about Michigan. Um they're shooting 42% from three. They're shooting, uh, you know, 37.4% of their shots are three-pointers. Um, they don't get to the line a whole, whole lot. They're actually really bad at getting to the line, 328th yeah. of that. Um, and then they're really bad on offensive rebounding. That's sort of kind of why their offense efficiency-wise is, is so hindered. And they're not terrible – they're not they're not great at at at, at taking good care of the ball. They they turn over the the ball on 19.4% of possessions. The thing that's like interesting about all that stuff is it's it's exactly like a B-line team. Like they they they've done those those same things in the past. Like yeah. the poor offensive rebounding teams, the turnovers is not usually a characteristic of B-line teams, but but the offensive rebounding and the, like the not getting to the line very often is like a very B-line thing. And I don't know, it, it, it's weird to me because like Jawad Howard hasn't really, I, I've seen like Michigan guys talk about this on their message board. And then I've seen like other people that are, you know, smarter than me talk about this. Jawan Howard hasn't really implemented any system. He's just done like the, the, the same stuff that Michigan has done in the past. Yes. Which to me is interesting because it's like, okay, if you get into a situation where there has to be some type of in-game adjustment made. What happens then? Like I, 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 I guess what I'm like saying is I, I just want like Louisville to to force their game plan on yeah. Michigan and not like it to be be the other way. You around. want yeah, well, you want Louisville to be the imposer and not 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 the re, not a reactor right to this, which I think would be interesting because I do think. I feel like half the games Louisville's really been able to do that. I mean, I think the best they've been able to do that has been against Western Kentucky mm-hmm. to some degree. Uh, I think in that second half, Charles Bassey ended up being able to do Charles Bassey things. He was making kind of just pick and pop shots from, you know, 13 feet out. And I mean, if he's going to make those, he's going to make those, you'll let him make them. Um, so I think that defensively they were able to do that to their best ability against Western Kentucky and then, of course, I mean, you just have to have. I think this is a game that Jordan Jordan Moore has to be there. He has to he has to be, you know, the Jordan Moore we've seen all season. This now is not the game for him to not be that. Right. Um, I almost I, not to we're going to talk specifically about predictions, but I almost feel like this is a game where Louisville comes out and just plays the best that they possibly can. Maybe they win by ten points and then immediately turns around and loses to Pittsburgh. 
like that, isn't that I, I, isn't that the most Louisville thing possible? I think right? it's just like Louisville fans being Louisville fans. It is Louisville fans being Louisville fans. I, I, I but mean, don't man, don't get me wrong. I've thought long and hard about that in the in the in, in the recent past. Maybe it happens. I, I I think like more like true to Louisville form would be they're playing their absolute best three games in this stretch and then just laying a complete egg against Kentucky. That would be a lot <laughs> more be like worst, like like it? Louisville to me. Um, but yeah, who's the most important player for Louisville tomorrow night? On which side of the ball, defensively or offensively? Oh, do give me one for both. Um, I would say offensively. Um, I would say it's probably actually Darius Perry. I was wondering. I knew you were going to say Darius at one point. I didn't know which one it was going to be. Yeah, because he can't really have one of those games to where he like kind of comes and goes. Yeah. Um, he hasn't, I, I really don't think he's been erratic at all this season, honestly. I think some of the ter- the games where he had high turnovers, um, maybe Youngstown State was one. Maybe I think he had like four turnovers, five turnover game. It was one game. Um, that was a game where he got like three turnovers in like the first like two minutes. So I don't think he's been like erratic, but I think there has been some moments this season to where he's like just not kind of been like fully engaged and he's got like dumb fouls and done yeah. things like that. And that can't be like he has to be the leader of the offense, right? Um, he just has to be, you know, the point guard of the floor. Um, so you I, don't I, believe you don't believe in the fresh Kimball revenge game, possibly <laughs> against uh, Phil Martini or yeah, Phil yeah, Martelli, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I I remain pretty um, up in the air on fresh. Uh, I I really don't know what I feel about him. I don't think David Johnson will get a lot of run tomorrow. No, um, I don't think a lot of freshmen are going to get a lot of run. Because one hundred percent, I don't think Mag trusts him defensively. I I wouldn't be shocked. I I think I think you're looking at like. 40 minutes of Dwayne Sutton and like 38 minutes of Jordan Wara. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, I, I think you're going to see a ton of fresh, a ton of Ryan McMahon, a ton of Darius Perry. Uh, I, I just, I don't see those other, I don't see the other guys getting a whole lot of time. Um, And then as far as on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think it's actually Ryan McMahon. Um, because okay. he has, he has to just be, you know, okay. His, his like game is, that's been the, the the last few games. His offensive output hasn't really been there, but it hasn't affected the team that much because teams haven't really took advantage of him. On the other side of the ball, he's been solid, um, so he's been able to stay on the floor um, and give some other things to the team, whether it's passing, just provided out there for spacing because he's a scoring threat. Gives more room for guys like Sutton. Gives more room yeah. for guys like War. Just him being out there. Um, I, I, I think he needs to not get hurt defensively um, and really be able to get through screens. We talked about that play that I posted on Twitter. Maybe we can drop it in the show links. Um, yeah. it, it was just, just like a certain quick. But you can kind of like limit, you know, the the, the, the reaction rate and, and how quickly Enoch's got to make a decision to get back to the basket or, or how long he can stay on hedge if that guard can get through that, that screen a lot quicker. That makes that makes the thing you know right. changes changes everything. That's why like it, like Xavier Simpson would be really good at guarding Xavier Simpson because he's really really good at getting through uh, screens. Um, so yeah, I I think him just being solid and not being a guy that they're going to come down the floor and look to target each play is pretty important tomorrow. 
because even yeah, if he's not, not scoring, it, 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 he's a threat on the floor, um, and, and, and it frees people, you know, up. How about you? Do you have anything different? No, no. I think I, I did want to point out that I, 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 I don't know a ton about Eli Brooks and, and David DeJulius, De uh, the other kind of guard to play for um, – for Michigan, but they I will play say like a four guard lineup. They kind of play like a four guard lineup, um, but I, I I think Ryan's going to be able to. Neither of those guys is tall. I mean, neither is Xavier Simpson. They're all you know. Eli Brooks is six one. DeJulius and and DeJulius and and Simpson are both six foot. So he's not going to have to deal with an incredibly tall guard, which is a positive. Right. That's, I think that's always been his kryptonite. But you're absolutely right. He's dealing with crafty guys, guys that are going to be able to get around screens that's kind of how Michigan plays just even just beyond Xavier Simpson even though that's what he's been doing so well uh for me defensively closing out is going to be a big deal mm-hmm. um I'm really going to be looking to Jordan Warwick you know he's obviously been offensively fantastic but defensively sometimes I think he's done great this season um but I think with pure shooters yeah I think you're really going to have to count on guys to close out and that's something Chris Mack talked especially about um in his mm-hmm in his uh in his press conference today that was something that Louisville did a really good job against at Western Kentucky um you know Western Kentucky isn't isn't the offensive you know they they shoot pretty decent from three but they they're not the offensive firepower that we're going to see from Michigan that's going to be one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country throughout this entire season you know top 10 right now so they're going to need to close out well so I'm kind of looking I'm not picking like a specific guy defensively for that. Um, I, I I do think offensively, you know, Darius is a great person, but I'm just who's who's going to be the second scorer. That's what I'm always looking for in these big in these big games. Louisville has always struggled when they don't have the second major scorer. Who's going to be that guy? Are we going to see a quiet 17 game or 17 point 19 point effort from Dwayne Sutton? That's that's how they won in uh, in Chapel Hill last year. Are we going to see 24 points from Ryan McMahon? That's how they beat Michigan State last season. So who's the guy who's going to help Darius – who's going to help uh, Jordan Wara carry the points load of this team? It could be Darius Perry as well. It, um, it, I, I mean, it really even could be a Sam game. Uh, I, if if yeah. he's kind of like ready for that because none of these guys on Michigan team are going to jump out, you, jump out at you with their athleticism. Um, yeah. And, that seems to be like, I don't think like Sam's like a crazy athlete, but it seems to me like that's the type of games that he can kind of shine because it does feel like he's like a better athlete. I don't know. That That's a weird way to say it. Like he doesn't like appear to be like a crazy athlete, but at the same time, like he, he does feel like he's a better athlete than everyone around him. That, that's yeah. like a really weird way to say it, but I, don't I know. think we can agree that Isaiah Livers is probably their best, their best athlete, right? Yeah. Okay. I think, I think we'd say that. Uh, I mean, Tasky's very athletic for 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 a five, um, but I think kind of peer out now. And Isaiah Livers is the guy who seems to think he he probably leads their teams and break you know point, you know breakout points, um, transition offense that type of deal. So I, I you know I, I've been I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast, but I, I've kind of talked. I don't know if I probably texted you about it. I don't know if texted some of my closest friends about it. Been sort of a little bummed at how the kid Williamson how little he's done in the past few games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I'm not seeing as many flashes as I saw against Miami and Youngstown state and Indiana state. I think sort of since then he's quieted down some, I don't know if that's a, 
Chris Mack trying to figure things out thing. Like that still could be that for me. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I'll be very interested in seeing how he plays. I mean, I've, I've mentioned it, I think last podcast, um, for whatever reason, there seems to be certain types of guys that kind of, in, in these bum kind of games that just exist in the shadows. And then when the lights come on, they, they play their best. And he just strikes me as like, I have absolutely yeah. no data to back that yeah. up. He just I strikes me I wouldn't as that be guy. shocked at all. And, and that's just a hunch. And I, I, you know, we'll see Michigan Pitt, Texas Tech. You want him to have a, you know, that's, that's very like shallow to say, but you mm-hmm. want him to have a big offensive outing in one of those games. No, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And that, that's a great point. That's a great point. That's something I haven't really thought of. I kind of had been expecting for him uh, to not do as much just because recently, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if that, that that was kind of a grander plan for Mac. He didn't want a whole lot of, you know, a whole, whole lot of tape on him. Uh, he knew he knows what he has and maybe he's going to show up. Uh, that would be great. I'd love that story. That'd be a good storyline. How much of the, uh, I don't know if you watch any of it, but how much of the Michigan North Carolina game did you watch? Um, I think by the time I had ended up starting watching, it was kind of already close. They'd pulled out to that really big elite. And I think North Carolina came back. So I didn't watch the comeback much, but I just sort of watched just the, the, the pulling away part where I, I was, any, everything they, you know, everything they could do. I was just curious, man, because it, I was kind of like shocked at just how much faster this is maybe a larger point about North Carolina, but just how much faster Michigan looked than North Carolina. Like they were just blowing by Cole Anthony. Like he wasn't even there, <laughs> like multiple guards, not just Xavier Simpson, but like just whoever they had out there, like they were just straight line drives, getting downhill on, on their guards. And I'm just like, yo, like this isn't chop liver tea. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it just stood out to me. Just one weird observation that I wanted to say on the podcast, because, you know, if we're recording this, you know, again next week and, and Michigan wins and they're just straight line drives right at Louisville, we spoke about it. So there you go. We spoke about it. No. And, and you and I sort of talked a little bit about, you know, how we feel about North Carolina. I, I sort of get the vibe, you know, even like kind of looking at the box score, the Ken Palm box score here. I get just the vibe that that was more about North Carolina than it was Michigan. Yeah. I think we learned in the Bahamas that Michigan 100% is a top 10, top five team in the country. And Whoa. that we shouldn't hit, we, you know, Juwan Howard is not, I mean, he's he's not beyond, but he's doing enough to kind of keep that talent intact and and and, and be a continuation of, of what they could do there. Mm-hmm. But... I think there are real problems with North Carolina that they really could be Cole Anthony and some guys. Yeah. You know, and, and um, if, you know, again, I, I, I sort of said it in the last podcast, like leaky black, like, like you're just relying on this dude named leaky black to be, a, <laughs> to, right. to be a, a, um, a producer and they'll be better. I mean, Christian Keeling, who was the big guy they brought in the transfer, it's going to take some time for him to, to to be better um you know. the baycock kid who's who's you know kind of came around right right because yeah so it's, um, i don't know just kind of like short and skinny a few other like random things to watch tomorrow um michigan's pretty methodical on offense yeah um max said a few times now about how he's been disappointed that louisville 
hasn't gotten more stingier as the as the, the possessions kind of rolled on. That was one of his big talking points, I think, after North Carolina Central, or it could have been USC Upstate. Basically something along the lines of they made shots and it let them affect our, our defense, and then we got less stingy as, as the possession rolled on. Um, so that's something to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, with that being said, like they are kind of pushing the pace a little bit more in the fast break like than they have in the past. Um, because of that, that's why you're seeing a little bit more of the turnovers. I guess they'll yeah. take, they'll take yeah. that trade off. Um, and then, like you said, they are a really bad offensive rebounding team. Um, so if if Enoch is, you know, getting kind of punished defensively, he can make up in that two-fold offensive end and then getting, you know, second-chance opportunities, um, you know, getting in there and getting the, 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 the dirty work. Obviously, you expect that from Dwayne Sutton. Sutton, he's just became this guy that, you know, w- we just take him for granted at this point. But, you know, it, I don't know what else you say about the dude. He's just incredible yeah um, that is something i'm really looking to uh is i mean louisville's top 50 they're 48th in offensive rebounding percentage uh they get 34 percent of offensive rebounds and I, that's something i'm really looking to for them um to do against michigan and then you know do the same on the defensive line um it, it, it will get will guards come back and help rebound that's something that chris mack has really complained about and i think it's something that's really probably been a focus of, of practice um, one note to add, and then I think we should give our, our prediction. I don't know if you want to give a score specifically. I'm so bad at giving basketball scores. <laughs> <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that. Um, but I am, and, and I might be totally overdoing this cause teams, I don't know. I think there can be something I, I don't, I don't know if a blowout is likely, but I think that there's a higher chance of it than normal in, than you would expect in this type of game because I think that there's something to Michigan having played three games in the Bahamas. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Coming man. back home on Saturday and then leaving Monday, you're home for less than 48 hours and then you're immediately out on it. And also being that being a team that's so reliant on the three-point shot. Exactly. Exactly. I just – I I and – and – I don't know. And then also like that, that Bahamas court is weird. I I don't know. It's not, it's, it's a completely different space than, than, you know, than the Yum Center, than, than than it's a ballroom. So that kind of environment change, sudden going from that kind of quiet, kind of weird ballroom to what I believe is going to be one of the better December crowds you're, you've seen in, in, in KFC Yum Center history that is something i'm looking to and i I wouldn't be shocked if louisville gets out to a fast start just just because michigan kind of has to reset itself so what you're telling me is we're both going to pick louisville to win in a blowout no i am not going to pick louisville to pick to win a blowout i'm picking louisville to win about 15 plus wow (laughs) wow because like i i think there's something to that i think um i think michigan like kind of as far as like, if you're just looking at it from an X, X and O's perspective, I think Michigan kind of like matches up pretty decently. Um, but I think this is a game that Michigan is not going to look good in. And I think a lot of what you just said is part of that reason. Um, I didn't think about like the, the environment changes much, but that just adds to it. Um, and I, I think this is a game 
where Louisville continues their hot shooting. I think this is a game where Michigan misses defensive assignments and leaves Ryan and man open a few times. Um, I, I think this is a game that Michigan has a poor shooting night just because they haven't had any of them. And you mm-hmm. can make the same, same like observation about Louisville. If you want to, that's fine, but I'll take my chances with the team that's played three games in four days. I, I, I just think this is, I, I think Louisville's better. And I, I, I think it's going to be magnified because I don't think Michigan's going to play very well. My biggest concern with Michigan is that they're just a team of runs. Just going back the past the past few years, kind of this crew of guys. I mean, Teske and and and, um, and Xavier Simpson have been on this team um, since you know they've been around and important since 2018. In 2018, they have that 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 near accident in the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> yeah. They literally they won 15 straight games and then lost in the national championship game. 2019, they won 17 and 0 before losing at Wisconsin. That is is an is a thing I'm thinking about. They go to at Wisconsin. I remember how big that game was. That was a different kind of environment. They hadn't really played. They played at Villanova in the third game of the year when you know Villanova was still kind of figuring things out. Um, and and, and it had basically lost that entire you know that entire 2018 championship team. I mean, so I I do kind of wonder if that environment change. You know, that's just kind of another point to the environment change. I think Louisville wins. I think it's going to be the classic kind of Louisville games. I think they're going to look really good. They're going to look really good for the first 15 minutes of the game. They're going to look bad for that, that last five minutes before halftime. Michigan will feel a little bit good. Maybe Louisville's only up by seven when they should be up by 15, 20. And then maybe they, then they come out again in the second half, extend the lead a bit, and then have those troubles down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I think – I think Louisville wins, but I think it's going to be my really close to that seven mark. That's seven, nine, maybe ten points. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Michigan has anyone to guard Jordan War either. That is, that is a legitimate concern. That's that, like part of my, that. part of the reason why I have so much like optimism about this game. Um. There was one other thing I was going to say, but uh, <laughs> I guess it just kind of slipped my mind. But yeah, um, I, 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 just, I think Louisville wins big. I also think like this team, there is no like excuse for, you know, the number one ranking happened. This game got hyped up and it, you know, it just kind of got Louisville kind of got too the, the, the moment was too big for them. Those are those days are gone. Um, you you played that card against North Carolina last year. Yeah. When we talked about the social media stuff and how Magnum like it and yada, yada, yada. Well, Chris Mack's been on Twitter all day pumping this game up. So that's that's definitely not going to be an excuse um, on, on Tuesday. Oh, I, I, I know what I was going to say. If Michigan were to win this game, they would have wins over Gonzaga, North Carolina, Iowa State, and Louisville on December 3rd. That's freaking absurd. They may lock up, you know, a, a, a top three seed. <laughs> boring that they don't have one. any like ridiculously lost. It, it would be crazy. absolutely unprecedented. It would be absolutely unprecedented. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, and, and they're not really, they're playing, they're playing Iowa on Friday. So I think they, they would then, then automatically probably be the number one team in the country. Kirk right? Cousins is 0-8 in Monday night football <laughs> games. The worst record in <laughs> NFL history. That's wild. The the Kirk Cousins against teams with a winning records record, which I'm not sure what it is at this point, is 
the most damning the most damning record in sports and and i always i that's why i don't bet on Kirk cousins <laughs> that's always a, always a good like life lesson <laughs> don't bet on Kirk cousins don't bet on Kirk cousins especially in primetime games uh yeah so i'll i don't just i don't know i think louisville wins by i'll say by nine points cool let's have a little more fun before we close this things out because chris we had such a fun weekend losing to the kentucky wildcats um we wanted to talk a little <laughs> bit more about it before we close this thing out uh, Chris, I think you had more fun than I did. Uh, you told me, I don't have the list in front of me, but you told me you had uh, not Jerry Tipton. You had um, let's uh, see. our good friend Matt Jones. Freezing you had Cold Takes. Freezing Cold Takes retweeted your, you know. You, know, you, you were feeling good. You were what's, feeling good Saturday morning, which I get about, it. What's funny about the tweet that I sent out was like, I, I really didn't feel that way at all, but I just decided that I was going to dip into the robbery and just troll. I don't have the energy like like these guys like Drew Franklin. Like I don't have the energy to troll 24-7. I just don't. More power to it, man. I couldn't do what they do. I, I, I just don't have that type of energy. But I had the energy on, on Saturday morning. Uh, <laughs> so I dipped into the... the, uh, the uh, the robbery, and I, I, I kind of paid for it. I don't know. It, none of that stuff really bothers me. Like to, to hear that Kentucky fans are like roasting me online, it, it's more entertaining for me. So I don't, I don't look at it as like I paid for it. Um, it's sports. People make bad predictions, but you know. yeah. And I, I was more annoyed by mine because I, I made some jokes after the fact. Like uh, Nick Roush, I'm I'm pretty friendly with, to be quite honest. I don't really have real beef with that guy. Um, uh, you know, on the scale of Kentucky fans, I think you know, I, I I think he's he's pretty decent. You know, he can rivalry with the best of them, but that's fine. Um, he's no not Jerry Tipton, um, <laughs> but I he he posted a video of some guy who I think is from Kentucky. He was like. We're not playing just for for the city. We're playing for the state. That's why we went and won this game. And I like I said, jokes on him. Uh, it's a Commonwealth, not a state. Wrong again, <laughs> Roush, because he had tweeted the fact that there was that Mikhail Cunningham or Tutu Adwell was going to have to start because everyone was sick, which ended up being somewhat true. Right, the guys are sick, but they, they they ended up playing. They played through, which you know I think you expect from some guys. Um, in this, and I, I guess he just sort of had his timing wrong. Um, and he, I think he even liked the tweet. He got that it was definitely being facetious and I, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was making any real shots, but the dudes who came in and caped for him, I, I just, that's I always like, like the weirdest angle about this whole thing for me. Like the people who just couldn't, that's why I kind of made the comment I did. I, I, I've, I, other people have made it that. I think Kentucky fans sort of come into these games looking for the negative responses from people they beat mm -hmm. as opposed to po creating positive experiences for themselves. I, I went in and I, I had a dude, a dude who was named like something orchid. And I was like, <laughs> yo dude, I was like, relax. I was like, my, my dad jokes are not an affront to you celebrating just enjoy your win. You plant. I called him you plant because his name was Orchid. And he was like, plant? What does that even mean? And then he went and he deleted it because he re realized that I was joking on the fact his name was plant. 
So like, you didn't you didn't get any of the random DMs two days later. Oh, I didn't get any random L's DMs. Down. I did get a dude who did like like that's why Louisville sucks or like Loserville sucks. And his uh his profile was very kind. His profile picture was uh, him pointing a gun at you, like just a gun at the camera. A very kind gentleman. Um, honestly, so, we would we would get made fun of if we did it, which I don't even honestly care. But I would we could totally just spin a podcast on the KSR phenomenon and like how people there's just so much caping that goes on for anything they post, and it's just it's it's odd. Like it's it's worth like diving in and figuring where really all that is. stems from. Like it's so crazy. I I, I saw. I just read some KSR mentions before we get on the podcast because I knew we were going to talk about this. And I just hear people like read the articles about that, about, you know, the Louisville man stuff and making fun of all that. And people are just like, this article gave me goosebumps. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) I don't understand it, game. I really, I don't understand the obsession with another man to, to dictate your happiness. I mean, oh as a sports gosh. fan, let's, let's And say. listen, man, I, I don't know. I, 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 there are people who are showing their asses who are, who are complaining way too much about L's down. Oh, yeah. There's a. There's, but it's like you said, it really moments. is. A, like, it really is, I would say, what, no more than 5 to 10% of the fan base. And you have to break through the, like, who's actually playing it to play the game. Like there's people that Which I that, definitely am. Listen, guys, I'm playing the game. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> I, I I have a tweet out there right now that says, "What high school did you go to?" Exclusive photo of the KSR hacker showing no remorse, and it's a picture of Jennifer Lawrence on a GQ laptop. <laughs> like I'm here for the game. The game's the game. We're just we're we're having people play dumb roles fun. in this rivalry. Game. We're having dumb fun on Twitter.com. We haven't even talked about the KSR hacker. You mentioned you mentioned Drew Franklin posted this article about like the Louisville man 2.0 and um and whatever you can go read the article I'm not going to link it but it's, uh, it's I don't know it's talking about uh, like maybe like 50 fans on Twitter like that's who the the person he's describing um but it's fine it's fine it gets the clicks you got to pay the bills Drew completely the game's the game um <laughs> but someone I guess someone was not pleased with it and initiated I'm not hundred percent sure if this is the case, but based on what some of the other KSR people tweeted, it seems like someone initiated what is known as a DDoS attack. Do you know what a DDoS attack is, Chris? I don't know what it stands for, but it's I can guess. direct denial of service. So basically <laughs> someone probably went on the dark web and paid some, some bot network, maybe like a hundred dollars to just overwhelm <laughs> the KSR server Maybe just because they were so mad online, which is like, uh, honestly, we're not going to talk about this. This isn't going to be the top story of, uh, of, uh, of any radio shows tomorrow, but is a new height in the rivalry to be quite honest with you. Is, is that someone definitely, Dude, this is actually, no, this is a big deal. This, this and, is and a, no one's talking a about significant it. moment. We should have we should have opened with this man. We should have opened with Amy that. McGrath. How about that? When do we when do we get to that point in this moment? <laughs> maybe this is 
next week down the road that that Amy McGrath's camp come out and and denies that they're a part of this. Let, let, let's get there. <laughs> We're not pointing any fingers. We're not. This is this definitely was all, all facetious. All all not real. Yeah. Um, and we could be completely wrong, but the timing of this and the fact that they're using cloud fl- Cloudflare, which uh, is is like the number one the direct of uh, the DDoS like protector. Um, Dog, kinda, this is a significant moment. It's a significant <laughs> moment, and and people uh, people aren't talking about this. So I, I just you know we, we, that's why we're closing the show with it because. Do um, you think? Do you think the. Uh, the guy who did it is someone that is known on Twitter or is it just some guy? I don't know. It could be, it could be, it's definitely someone who's a Twitter person. Yeah. I don't know if it's like, I don't think it's like a guy, like someone we know, like someone who's a minor, one of, one of our cabal of minor U of L fan celebrities. So, um, so, so did someone from KSR actually say that's what happened? No, okay. but aside, I'm not going to name, I'm not going to name that. names, but given, given uh, there was a few tweets, it's like, oh, someone got mad at right. Drew's article, right? which insinuated that they believe it's a, a DDoS attack. Even Drew's tweeted, I mean, said Cyber Monday is dangerous. Right. Yeah. And someone in the comments, Cyber Thread take down your KSR app. There's, there's got to be a way that there's some type, type of political angle to this. And I, I just hope that we get taken down that road, whether it's Russian bots, whether it's fake news, whether it's Amy McGrath. Did Russia, I mean, uh, full report. I'm uh, definitely putting that into show notes. Jesus uh, Christ, man. Yeah. Did Russian, did Russian hackers take down KS? Top three moments. Dialysis, this, and... I'm, I'm always a fan of the bridge, man. The bridge... <laughs> I'm still blocked by Miss Tyler KSR because of the bridge. Cause I just went I went too far with it. I'm sorry, Miss Tyler KSR, if you're if you're listening. I think if the you, trash can thing is an underrated moment, honestly. I completely agree. Completely agree. That'll about uh, wrap it up though, I guess. That will wrap it up. <laughs> Anything else you want to add, Chris? Ban the military bowl. <laughs> Ban the military bowl. We're not going to the military bowl. I'm not going to talk about the military bowl. I'm not trying. I'm to not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch us lose to Navy, and 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 the just just the the commentators be so happy for the troops that they're do- <laughs> that they're dominating this poor Louisville defense. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it, <laughs> Vince. If you're listening, don't do it. <laughs> Tag him in the tw- tag him in the podcast. Tweet, we'll please. tag him the military bowl. We're not watching. Uh, <laughs> go cards beat uh, beat Michigan. Yeah, beat Michigan. We will talk to you guys sometime soon. Take care, folks. <laughs>